the farming program with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. This week we're reporting from the Midlands Machinery Show. What's new? It's really for taking conventional bales and putting them into packs of 14. It's replacing uh, a gap in the market that Land Rover seem to have left behind. Sizes from 4 metre currently up to 7.5. We move those onto an app. We'll look ahead to this week's Farm Business Innovation Show and if you grow sugar, you'll need to listen to Sean Sparling. Now that offer being made to you as growers is way outside the established negotiation process. Always important to listen to Sean Sparling. He's also got some important advice if you've lost crops due to the recent floods. And we'll hear about the Lincolnshire Schools Challenge. Take a look at the news, the markets and the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. Every Sunday morning from 7, this is the online podcast edition of the Farming Programme from Lynx FM. I'm Steve Orchard. In the news this week, the government's launched a £1 million programme to grow British dairy exports. It aims to provide targeted support in accessing new markets and will include education sessions. The NFU said the launch was a significant boost for the sector and called for continued joint industry and government collaboration on reducing barriers to trade and improving market access. But the wet October saw a decline in British milk production, down 2.8% compared to the same month last year. That said, October 2022 did have exceptional conditions for milk production, recording the highest volumes for seven years. DEFRA's called for a mutually acceptable outcome amid the sugar beet contract row. More on that with Sean Sparling in a moment. Congratulations to Dr Zoe Davis, friend of the farming programme and former National Pig Association chief exec who received her OBE at Buckingham Palace this week. And farmers who own the classic Land Rover Defender are being urged to take action to safeguard their vehicles after figures show £2.4 million worth were stolen in 2022. Many are being stripped for their valuable parts, according to NFU Mutual, and many of these are ending up in so-called chop shops around the world. Every year, the education team at Lincolnshire Showground challenge local schools to learn more about farming and the rural economy, where their food comes from and how it's made. They recently launched the 2024 Schools Challenge. Coordinator Susie Stone tells us more. So Schools Challenge is a project-based programme with 10 key challenges based around food, farming, the countryside, the environment. So schools can get on board by selecting a challenge that they work on within their school and then they come to the Lincolnshire show on the 19th and 20th of June to present their work to a panel of judges and also enjoy the show as well. What sort of challenges are you talking about? What have they actually got to do? There's lots of uh, different activities, so whether it's growing, developing food, learning about flooding and things like that, so which is a very popular topic at the moment. I'm not sure it's popular. <laughs> not popular. <laughs> it's topical, definitely. Topical. That's it, yeah. So there's lots to get involved in. Again, learning about where your food comes from and the different careers within uh, the industry, they really do get stuck in into the topic and uh, it's fabulous to see the work that they do. They certainly produced some fantastic results last year. How many schools were involved last year? Yeah, we had a great 51 schools and we've got lots of uh, keen entries already coming in. We have a launch event coming up on the 31st of January. Teachers can come along to that, hear more about what's involved, listen to expert speakers and network with key people uh, involved. 
They say packs have been sent out to schools, but if they want to find out more, how, where should they go? Should they go to the website or contact you? Yeah, so we have an education uh, section on our website, uh, the linkshireshowground.co.uk. Thanks, Susie. Susie Stone from Lincolnshire Showground. Bit of a busy time just now for farming shows. In a few minutes, we'll hear about some new tech on show at last week's Midlands Machinery Show at Newark Showground. This week brings farm tech innovation back to the NEC. I'll be there and reporting back for next week's farming programme. Will you be going? If you're looking for some new direction for your farm, it might well be worth your while. Here's show director Verity Highland. Farm Business Innovation is one of our four interconnecting shows co-located with Holiday Park and Resort Innovation, Leisure Food and Beverage Expo and the Family Attraction Expo. The Farm Business Innovation is the UK's only diversification event aimed at farmers, landowners and agri-professionals. So by attending, you can explore the latest trends, innovative ideas and sustainable practices to find inspiration and diversification opportunities. So diversification is the big theme to this and opportunities for business. Completely and utterly. So diversification we're seeing is a huge part of what farms are moving into, how they can create new opportunities, bringing more um, money and revenue to the farm. Okay, and you've got speakers seminar exhibitors give us a quick flavor of the speakers first of all you can expect rural tourism trends why diversifying your farm into holiday lets make sense self-storage planning permission and business rates insights and more we've got quite a few panel sessions as well over the two days so we've got one hosted by ct planning nfu and nfu energy on are you considering a career in agriculture and other related industries We've got another panel which is touching on diversification with a difference featuring rural solutions, Iron and Pine, British Dogfields and Kelly Chandler Consulting. And we've also got a grant, uh, a panel sorry, on grants hosted by DEFRA. So there's a massive, diverse range of topics that are going to be covered at the event. And lots of exhibitors there as well. Yeah, so we've got the likes of Bidwells, Outer Space Group, Coal and Bunker Glamping Pods, Fisher German, Gleason Land, Hopwells, Polar Crush, there's loads. And we all like something newer to show, and you've got some new product awards going on as well. We've got the Innovation Award, New Product and Sustainability. So the awards are being announced on day one. And plenty of opportunities to hook up with old friends and meet some new faces. Absolutely. So we've got loads of spaces along the show floor for people to come and network with exhibitors. We've got a members lounge. AgriConnect stand itself has got a meet and greet area. So there's lots of opportunities. All right. Well, we'll look forward to the Farm Business Innovation Show. I shall be reporting from there next week. Just remind us when, where and where to go for information and tickets. So tickets are absolutely free. And to register and for more information, please visit thefarmbusinessshow.co.uk. The event itself is the 15th and 16th of November at the NEC in Birmingham, Halls 19 and 20. All right, Verity, I look forward to seeing you there. Have a great show. And you. 
Thank you so much, Steve. Now, if you're looking at your land and wondering when you'll ever get back to working it or if you're scratching your head as to what to do with those crops devastated by the recent floods, our crop doctor, Sean Sparling, has some thoughts and ideas. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. I'm holding my breath that the forecasted drier, more settled weather is accurate because with it now being pretty much mid-November and with so much wet land needing drying out, you really do start to wonder whether we're going to actually turn many wheels of any size on the land this side of 2024. With most of my fields and I presume most listeners absolutely unworkable at the moment particularly the heavier stuff so thoughts are now starting to turn to other options and with spring seed demand likely to outstrip supplies it does make an awful lot of sense to start making alternative cropping plans and budgeting for spring wheat, spring barley, peas, beans, etc. sooner rather than later. Unsurprising, really, this wet situation we find ourselves in, when you think about it, remember, we haven't had two dry days in a row since the 22nd, 23rd of October, and they were immediately following on from that 100, 150 mil that fell from the 18th, 19th and 20th, and we've taken well over 100 mil since those three days back in October. So the big picture, then, is that, generally speaking, cereals that were through the ground before the land flooded appear to be reasonably okay, although many are very yellow because of wet feet and herbicide uptake. Any that were underwater, of course, for several days are clearly badly affected and may need redrilling. Crops that were drilled but not emerged have suffered much more, as I said last week, and many fields have either got big patches and headlands struggling to emerge at all, or they're like patchwork quilts with no discernible area that you could be isolated to redrill in between. So there are going to be a lot of fields scrapped and redrilled in their entirety, I think, at some point. So it's worth remembering that all of the winter wheat varieties on the list can be drilled until at least the end of January. So there may well be several opportunities to put wheat in and redrill areas and redrill fields over the next 10 weeks or so if conditions allow further drilling or patching in and if and when those field conditions improve. Mayflower, Merit, Illicit, Redwall, Elation, Champion, Gleam and Cranium, very popular varieties, can all be drilled beyond the end of January until mid-February and Skyfall, Firefly, Swallow, Bearstow, Bream can be safely drilled until the end of February. There's very limited data on some of these newer varieties though, so do take some of that with a pinch of salt. It's worth speaking to the breeders and your local trials team. Skyfall, of course, has been drilled quite recently in spring 2020, for example, later than the end of February and into March. But that is a really high risk strategy if the spring turns mild like it did then, because all winter wheat needs a period of cold weather after drilling to vernalise the seed. And without that period of vernalise, the crop will emerge and it will grow really well but it doesn't produce an ear necessarily and you end up with a lovely looking crop of leaves if you're not very careful and very lucky. Different varieties have different vernalisation requirements. That's why the latest drilling date varies and that's why it is varietal. And although I've yet to ever see a whole field fail to vernalise, it is not uncommon to see considerable proportions of the crop just not produce any ears at all if you drill dangerously late. And that obviously jiggers up your yield. Winter beans. They can, of course, be drilled through into the early spring. And because beans don't have that vernalisation requirement, you can drill winter beans in the spring, upping the seed rate to spring bean rates from 20 25 in the autumn to 50 or so in the spring. Having said that, the yields from true spring bean varieties tend to be not only much better, but way more reliable as the season progresses. So there still could be an opportunity to drill winter bean crops. You know, broadcasting beans onto the surface and ploughing them in like we used to do in the olden days, you don't have to drill them. That could still be an option in difficult situations. But then this does leave difficult conditions for applying the pre-ems. And that pre-em is absolutely vital because we have so few options 
post-emergence. So it's going to be a challenge. Oilseed rate, soil temperatures still way too high for curb. Treatment should be obviously avoided where soils are waterlogged and where drains around the field are still running. Soil temperatures need to be 10 degrees C and falling at 30 centimetres before you apply propizomide because it breaks down much quicker in warmer temperatures. Put it on in warm like this and its half-life is about 50 days at best. Put it on in colder conditions with cold and falling soil temperatures that half-life extends to 100 days or even more. So it's too wet and too warm as we speak so don't waste your time and your money. You've got until the end of January anyway. Google the Corteva curb weather data by the way for your area but it'll be a few weeks yet before it's fit to go I think. Slug pressure remains ridiculously high in cereals following rape, beans and even some of the cereals on the heavier land. So for goodness sake keep your eyes open, check the fields regularly and treat as soon as conditions allow you to go if that slug damage is showing. Slug pellets disappear really quickly in wet conditions like this so it's really important to apply them when a dry night is forecast so you can get the most out of them. That increases the chances of the slugs coming to the surface and taking the pellets and of course the pellets will also disappear as the slugs eat them because they'll take them away too and as we don't see dead bodies anymore keeping your fingers crossed that the slugs are actually taking them and succumbing underground instead of the pellets just washing away probably does as much good. Sean last week we touched on the furore caused by British sugar seeming to shut out NFU sugar from contract negotiations and leave growers stuck in the middle and very concerned. Where do we stand now Sean? British sugar have unbelievably unilaterally offered growers a guaranteed minimum price of £38 per adjusted tonne for the 24-25 crop with seed orders opening on the 6th of November. Now that offer being made to you as growers is way outside the established negotiation process and has absolutely infuriated the NFU and many growers with world sugar prices significantly higher today than they were this time last year and last year British Sugar agreed to pay £40 per adjusted tonne to growers for that crop being harvested. So there's no enthusiasm whatsoever from growers to take a price cut. British Sugar may well have the monopoly of sugar beet processing in the UK but they need UK farmers to grow that sugar beet for them. Farmers don't have to grow sugar beet. They have a range of other crops and now plenty of environmental options available to them. You know if sugar beet growers accept that British Sugar offer and they order seed they undermine the NFU's ability to negotiate on behalf of all of the growers and that has implications for significant price consequences in future years. British Sugar seems to also be suggesting that early orders for seed guarantee they'll get the best varieties. There are only tiny differences between most of the recommended varieties so it really doesn't matter which ones you grow in reality. So don't be pressured into placing an early seed order. Also if you read the terms of this BS contract, the British Sugar contract, there are some really concerning clauses in it which become binding. For example, British Sugar's included several terms within the interprofessional agreement which may well cause growers big problems. So, you know, it's essential that you as a grower take legal advice on all the possible implications to your business before you sign anything from British Sugar which is legally binding. And on that bombshell, let's see what the next seven days bring. Okay, thanks as ever, Sean. More on that, I'm sure, next week on the Farming Programme, which has been on the road this week to the Newark Showground for the Midlands Machinery Show. Coming up, we'll hear what's new along with the markets and the weather. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. Supplying the region for over 40 years. Last week, Newark Showground hosted another very busy and well-attended Midlands machinery show with some clever new kit on display, including the Arcusin Multipack E14 Baler. Director Stephen Gilman. 
It's really for taking conventional bales and putting them into packs of 14 and it's two rows of seven bales. So the new part about this machine is that it compresses horizontally as well as vertically. Vertically it always used to compress but now it does horizontally as well. You've also got five knotters that do four strings on a bale that's 80 centimetres long. For the shorter bales you can get four strings on whereas you couldn't on the older machines. And also you've now got a touchscreen control box which is displayed here as well. And looking at the video that you've got running here at the moment, that's going to enable you to clear a field pretty quickly by the looks of it. Yes. And where could we go if somebody wants some more information? It would be me. Go to our website, arkison.co.uk. Chandler's had three new shiny bits of kit to see at the show. Firstly, the Fence 728 tractor. Here's sales director Rob Imink. Yeah, it's the new lineup in the uh, Fence tractor, the new 7 series. Uh, it's called a Gen 7. We have the popular 700 series already, which we got to in a, a 724 Gen 6. 728, slightly bigger, bigger footprint, about a ton heavier, but it has the new low revving, high torque engine in it. Okay, so. Is this aimed at a particular sector of the market, a particular type of farming? It's higher end user sector. We offer the new Gen 7 700 from 200 horsepower, but the most popular flagship model is the 280. So it's aimed at the higher end user than, than normal. And also with the Vario grip, you can use it in all conditions. Thank you for beeping the yeah. horn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna somebody's, get, somebody's found the horn. How am I going to edit that out the background? And in the cab any differences uh, it's got the new fent one in the cab that we bring in that through through all the fent generations um fent one so we can use fent one on board and fent one off board and what does that do basically it's the whole control of the tractor the new settings we can change anything inside mapping the, the whole works yeah anything else to tell me about it just a fantastic tractor <laughs> how much a 728 with a decent warranty decent package you'd be anywhere between 240 260 Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Another Rob, Rob Perry from Chandler's, tells us about the Valter Q series. So the Q series is uh, several models. Uh, they, they go from 245 with varying models to 265, 285, and then the biggest one at 305, which has a Agco CVT transmission. It's aimed at um, the more higher intensive use farmers, However, um, we are finding that all ranges of farmers and applications and forestry applications particularly are, are uptaking on, on the model. At the moment, most of the demonstrations we've been doing have been just all sorts of farm work and, and mostly arable farmers. And what sort of weight and capacity and so on are we talking about with these? So these um, are just over the nine tonne with, with no ballast, um, with ballast uh, front and rear. Uh, we can get it to about 12 and a half. Okay, and what about in the cab? So in the cab, um, you've got all the smart touch screens. You can have a second smart touch to extend. A lot of what we do are full RTK. You can have smart turn. You can have contour assist, wayline assist. One of the things with Valtra is that they are completely customizable by color, by spec, by interior type, etc. And thirdly, from Chandler's, the Ineos Grenadier Quartermaster pickup. Dealer principal Steve Birchman, what can you tell us about this? It's replacing uh, a gap in the market that Land Rover seem to have left behind. It's fulfilling the farmer's uh, ideal vehicle. It's a tough off road working vehicle, also very capable on road. 
So when you talk about filling a gap, you're talking about the old or the original Land Rover Defender? Uh, proper tough working vehicle and the Ineos is replacing that type of vehicle. Because the Defender seems to have gone rather more Range Rover-ish than farm vehicle-ish, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what can it do? It's got BMW engines, 3 litre petrol or diesel, ZF gearboxes, uh, Carrero axles, Recaro seats. Uh, the chassis has been designed by Magnus Steyer, who also did the G-Wagon. So anything that's capable of doing it has all been put into this vehicle. Okay, and it's aimed as a farm working vehicle? Uh, yeah, mainly, but not only that, it will pull and do whatever you need it to do. Does it have anything like power takeoff, that kind of thing? Nothing like that, no. No, just uh, basic mechanicals. Uh, it will tow really well. Uh, power takeoff may be coming out in the future. Are they doing anything like hybrid or electric, or is that in the future still? That is in the future. Uh, Ineos as a company, uh, the biggest byproduct is um, hydrogen, so they are looking at making a hydrogen engine for it. All right, Steve, thank you. Lovely, thank you. More on all those on the Chandler's website. On the Russell stand at the Midland Machinery Show, Rodri Davis told me about the new DSX direct drill from Horizon. So, um, Horizon DSX drill, uh, which we offer sizes from four meter, currently up to seven and a half, but in the spring we're launching a nine meter. So row width options are 16.7, 18.7, 22 and 25 centimeters so it's a complete direct drill regenerative farming concept it's sat on a modular chassis so whether you buy a four meter or a six meter they can be expanded they're all sat on a 4700 liter tank which holds about three ton of seed standard they come pretty much with two metering systems so the tank split 60 40 so you can run two products or one product through both metering systems you can also add a third metering system which sits in the middle which gives you a 50 10 40 split then the seeds or whatever products you're putting down runs to the back two mushrooms one mushroom running to the front row and the other running to the back row which means basically you can run individual products in between each row standard it comes with 710 tires at the back options are 750 and 850 tires as well um, we also have the option which I believe is one of the only drill companies in the UK to put row cleaners on so if you're chopping all your straw um, and you don't want any pinching you can run row cleaners which runs just in front of the drilling disc to keep your keep your row clean and does this require any particular uh, level of kit by way of tractor to tow it yes so towable drill behind your tractor um, drawbar fitting on the linkage um, doesn't require that much horsepower so six meter drill for instance requires about 200 horsepower and if you're drilling a lot of hills it's probably more weight that you want than horsepower but 200 horsepower is about right and where could we go for information about this you can go to our website which is www.horizonagriculture.com lovely rod thank you very much and one bit of electronic tech that will be of interest if you're operating machinery is merit ag check all one word here's mini chisel so we have a few different software solutions that we aim to provide to farmers and allied professions to move them from a sort of 
paper-based system to moving them paperless, which is a struggle with farmers at times, but we aim to make it as easy as possible for them. So Mara AgCheck is the UK Farm Machinery app, is what we call it. Basically, those daily checklists, this is the main thing it's sort of famed around, those daily checklists that you legally have to do before you step in and operate a machine, we move those onto an app. Operator opens the app, completes those checklists, and it's recorded on a cloud-based system on secure servers. And then the farm manager can view all of those in his office and gets an actual view of the data that's going on in his farm instead of them just being left in a tractor cab. And they're actually accessible if, God forbid, an accident happens, you have all that data you need. The My Fuel section, that's something that's come out this harvest, as in response to what I'm sure is a lot of farmers may concern at the moment, rising fuel prices among other rising costs. So basically what it does is alongside now on the app doing your daily checks, we allow you to enter refueling. So you basically, we operate in a QR system for the daily checks and we've added that to the refueling. So you can go to your fuel tank, put a QR code on it, scan that on your phone, scan the QR code in your machine, bam, you've refueled from that tank to your machine, write in any comments, and you have an actual record of all your fuel efficiency, consumption, habits, trends, already put on the app, ready for any enterprising farm manager to actually have a look at their fuel consumption and maybe track different patterns and actually manage their fuel. Because a lot of people say they manage their fuel, but it's hard to do without the data that solutions like these provide. And this can be used and accessed on any device? Yeah, we work on, the app is on Android, it's on Apple Store, and the dashboard that you manage Mare AgCheck through, that can be accessed through your office computer or Safari or Chrome on your phone. So it can all be phone-based, it can be based on a tablet or it can be based on a computer. And we have this sort of freedom where the manager can view everything about their farm and they can limit the access of different workers. This can be used to sort of intro seasonal workers into the system or if you want certain uh, workers only accessing for example the safety checks you don't want them putting in details about servicing you can restrict that because we do have servicing uh, we also have training and reminders of when those servicings are required and those training refresher courses are needed so it can kind of keep farmers who i think at times wear many hats it can kind of lessen their load a bit and sort of it, people don't like to phrase it as sort of we put it all in a folder, it's all taken care of, but I think actually having it on your phone, getting reminders of when things need to be done, it takes that mental stress away. And where could somebody go for more information on all this? Easy, we have a couple of places you can go. Easiest one is probably our we our website, meragcheck.com. Um, we also have Safety Revolution as well. The other place you can get really excellent info from is we offer free demos of the app. So they're basically these half hour Teams or Zoom sessions that we can offer sort of at your convenience and show you exactly what the app can do for you. So you can have a look at full functionality with someone who knows how to work it They'll explain to you how it works, what it can do for your business. And that's all accessed through the App Store? Yeah, all of the app is accessed through the App Store. If you want a demo, feel free to contact us at our email, our phone, anything on our website, and we can book that with you. All right, Minnie, thank you very much. Have a great show. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Apart from the manufacturers and equipment dealers, there were plenty of other organisations at the Midlands Machinery Show at Newark Showground last week, including the National Association of Agricultural Contractors, who were running a series of workshops. Chief Exec Jill Hewitt. 
Yeah, so we were talking about load security, about transport issues, about red diesel, and all the issues that are affecting farmers in the area and contractors. Because things like towing has become a bit of an issue in, over recent years, hasn't it? Because there's been different regulations and changes to regulations. Where are we with all this at the moment? It, it depends which part of town we're looking at, I think, Steve. But it, there's been issues with licensing, I suppose, but that's all been resolved, I think, now and has become more flexible post-COVID. And then load security has been a really big issue this past year. The law hasn't actually changed, but the guidance has. So the way it's been enforced has changed. So we've been providing a lot of information to our members about how to try and comply and make sure that loads are safe. What sort of things have changed? Things like sheeting of loads. There was information saying that everybody had to sheet every load. And actually, that's not actually the case. It's about containment of the load so some loads potentially do need to be sheeted but it's about having things below the load level and and basically keeping that load on the trailer obviously we're post the show is there somewhere we can go for information on all the stuff you were talking about at the show yeah absolutely anybody can contact the national association of agricultural contractors we're at naac.co.uk and all our contact and phone numbers and everything is all on there jill thank you for that thank you the nfu held their midlands environment conference at the midlands machinery show once again after their presentations and discussions i had a chat with deputy president tom bradshaw who will hear from in a moment. First, NFU County organiser Andy Guy. SFI was a key part of that discussion, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was the, the, the kind of opening session, really, that we had this morning. And it's, it's been a frustrating time with SFI. It's been very slow coming, uh, being launched, really. But we're starting to get there, and it was good to hear uh, from the speaker that we had today, Claire Robinson, that the numbers are starting to creep up. She's got access to the application numbers, and so we know what's in the pipeline. And so there's, there's lots of farmers now starting to take that up. Uh, and for those that haven't done yet, they really should look at it because there's some fantastic options in there that suit all sorts of farms. What are the advantages to it? Then? Give me sort of an example or two of where the advantages would lie for a farmer to go into the scheme. The key thing to do is to look at the options, Steve. Subsidy checks and subsidy payments are declining and there's some big payment options in there. If you can pick ones that that will match nicely with your existing farming system, for a lot of farmers, very, very small changes in the way that they farm can bring some really good financial rewards. And application process is getting smoother and smoother all the time. I won't say it's smooth, but it's getting better and better all the time. So, you know, it should be a straightforward uh, straightforward thing. Really worth it. Is there still a bit of a backlog on this or are things actually getting getting through the system now the backlog's been in the launch of the system and and the options available and that sort of thing and we're now we're there now i think there's 23 options out there now for for farmers right now to apply for the application process is is getting really quick and smooth you can you can apply now and and start very quickly um payments are coming through quickly because we we almost always seem to say this we're in a time of change for farming but we are with a greater focus on sustainability aren't we Absolutely, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that's a good thing. The, the world has changed really quite quickly and just in the last few years, haven't we? We've all become much more aware of uh, the future of our businesses and the sustainability of our businesses. And that's about balancing environment, uh, social responsibility and profit. And as long as you can get those three to, to work, then, then your business can hum, can't it? And one of the speakers here this morning was the Woodland Trust and they have an offer on the go for farmers at the moment. 
That's right, not just the Woodland Trust, it's jointly between the Woodland Trust and the National Farmers Union. They're offering um, uh, packs of 50 trees, completely free of charge. They come with all of the, the stakes and the tree guards and everything that you need to farmers in North Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire. Um, you just got to apply, but there is a time limit on it. We need applications in quickly. So um, that's done through the NFU website or through your local county advisor or the Woodland Trust. Uh, fantastic opportunity for, to get some local trees free of charge for your, your, part, your part. Any particular type of trees? Yeah, they're, they're fixed packs. They're, they're designed by the Woodland Trust to be appropriate for those neighbourhoods, which is why it's restricted to North Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire. So different packs of trees for Lincolnshire from Nottinghamshire because the natural trees there are a different mix. Um, so it's, it's really been well thought out uh, and there's a lot of them already booked up but there's still some available in, in both counties. And you said there's a time limit to this? The trees have got to be collected from a, a, a collection point at the end of November so you've really got probably a week or ten days to get your application in. Get straight online onto the, onto the NFU website. To book, book NFUonline.org. That's right. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much, Steve. Nice to talk to you. And NFU President Tom Bradshaw. Tom, good to see you again. Last time we spoke, we were overlooking a field that had become a lake at Bardney. Here we are in another nicer, warmer surroundings of the Midlands Machinery Show at Newark Showground. But there is a, a connection between what you've been speaking about today in terms of agricultural sustainability and what was happening a couple of weeks ago, isn't it? What are your sort of takeaway messages from the conference today? I guess the biggest one for me is the pressure on land use, that there's so many competing priorities. The government have legislated environmental targets, biodiversity recovery, tree planting strategy. There is no legislated food production target. And when I was in Lincolnshire, I was talking about the importance of rivers as as a foundation for our food production. And that if we're really serious about food security, we have to maintain them so that we maintain access to that high quality land. And I think what we're seeing here today is that there are multiple pressures on land use for the future. And food security needs to be a crucial strategic part of that for government. But at the moment, they have not committed to this food security target while they have legislated targets for the environment. And that creates some really big challenges that are pulling in different directions. And ultimately, that's a big challenge. One of your concerns you raised during the meeting towards the end was the lack of legislation to replace the old scheme with the new scheme. We've seen cuts to payments, but not the new scheme brought in to replace it as seem to be promised. Yeah, so we used to have the direct support payments, which, you know, there's been a a plan in place to halve them by 2024. Now, when that commitment originally came out of DEFRA, they they, they committed on the day to saying they would not start the cuts until the new scheme was in place. We know at the moment there's less than a thousand people that have been entered into the uh, sustainable farming incentive, and yet there's many businesses that have faced nearly 50% cuts of their BPS. So they have not, it's not true. What they said originally, they have broken that promise. And it's our members on the ground that are paying for that. You've got all the challenges of the flooding and the wet weather and awful autumn, difficult 2023 harvest, BPS cuts, but very few people actually able to access the cash within the sustainable farming incentive, which is creating a huge pressure. And what's the NFU doing to try and correct that? Well, we've been lobbying government around earlier payments and they did change back in September when we we said that they needed to do the right thing and they decided then that they would pay farmers in the first month of their SFI agreement rather than having to wait till the fourth month. So there will be farms that that are able to go into the SFI during November that will still receive a payment in December, which is at least something from a cash flow perspective. We want transparency from DEFRA about how the budget is being spent. If there's any underspend, that should be paid back out to farmers. It's not acceptable to roll that into next year.
And how likely do you think that is to happen? Well, we used to have more transparency under the EU than we do today, and that's something which is a real challenge. And you know, we continue to ask DEFRA for the figures and for the evidence, uh, but they're always working a year behind, and that is, that's a really big issue. Of course, we have a general election coming up next year. What would you like to see? First of all, the budget is crucially important. And uh, I was at an event yesterday where somebody from the Conservative Environment Network was speaking. They've identified there's a £6 billion funding gap to deliver the outcomes that government wants to see. And that's without sustainable food production being part of it. So that would increase from £2.4 billion to £8.4 billion. I mean, I'm not sure that we're ever going to achieve that level of budget, but we're having the work done at the moment to understand exactly what the budget needs to be that delivers the outcomes that government want, that delivers sustainable food production. And that'll be our key ask as we go into the election. Yeah, because the, the sustainability, but the, the food targets, as you say, protecting the British farming. Well, look, you look at global volatility, you look at the weather, that you look at politics and the geopolitics, which is awful at the moment around the world. We need to take responsibility for how we're going to feed 70 million people living on an island. Imports will always be part of that. But if we have a failing food production system here in the UK, the volatility that brings to our economy, to the availability of food, is something that is unacceptable from a government perspective. I mean, it's purely speculation, obviously, but there's an awful lot of thinking that the colour of the government will change next year. Obviously, it remains to be seen, but how does the NFU view working with Labour? We're lobbying both political parties, both main political parties. Obviously, we work with Lib Dems and the Green Party as well. Uh, as an apolitical organisation, we will work with whoever is in government. Our key at the moment is trying to influence their manifestos so that they make commitments which will help underpin food production, underpin a profitable, thriving industry, which is what everyone wants to see. All right, Tom Bradshaw, thank you. Thank you. NFU Deputy President Tom Bradshaw at the recent Midlands Machinery Show, which is back at the Newark Showground next year on the 20th and 21st of November. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Mason's Rural at Louth Livestock Market. Good morning, Henry Simpson. Good morning, Stephen. Welcome to the week round up from the Louth Livestock Market. This week was a store cattle week, but starting off in the prime cattle, the prime heifer saw an oil and average of 280.31 pence per kilo, with top of the day going to F. Wallace and son of Biscothorpe to £1,497 per head, or 299 pence per kilo. Now onto the cool cows, was a good entry this week, we saw an average of 97.37 pence per kilo, with top price of day going to J. Wharton Agriculture Limited of Swaby to £916 per head, or 117 pence per kilo for a South Devon feeding cow. Now moving on to the store cattle, there was a fantastic entry this week with 57 head forward, which met a range of buyers' requirements. And top of the day goes to C. Finchin of Ragby with a 20-month-old Lincoln Red Steer to £950. With D. Shamley of Tetney saw a top in the heifers with a 9-month-old Limousine Cross achieving £870. J. Wharton Agriculture Limited of Swaby saw a top in the pence per kilo in both the steers and heifers, with the steers getting to 291 pence per kilo and the heifers 275. Now, wraps up the cattle animal. Now, we're moving on to the sheep, where the prime lambs saw an SQQ of 259.49 pence per kilo and an all an average of 252.66 pence per kilo. There was a small entry compared to last week, but lambs with a good confirmation finish achieving them top prices, with a solid trade all round for what the stock was on offer. Many more could have been sold to vendors' advantage. Top of the day was D&G Rolls of OSB Moore to £145 per head and £287 per kilo. And to cool use, saw a good number of 78 forward, saw an average head of £79.50. With top of the day going to DA Fennec of Gainsborough, achieving £125 per head. Now into the store lambs, there was a good number forward once again this week with 86 forward. And saw an average per head of £77.36. With topping this week was from the Shaw Brothers of Binbrook, selling to £115 per head. 
Just a reminder, we're selling again tomorrow, so we're taking entries for all Prime and Cool Cows, as well as Prime, Cool and Store Sheep. So please don't hesitate to contact the team for all marketing options. This has been Henry Simpson with the Mason's Real Team. Thank you. Thanks, Henry. And to the grey markets with open fields, Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Steve. Thursday evening brought round another USDA update. In summary, pretty bearish this time, and most saw markets down after the mini jump up on Wednesday. The main headline is the forecasted yield for US corn. Most are expecting to remain around the 173 bushel per acre, and we've jumped rather helpfully to nearly 175. Translate across to the US ending stock number and the subsequent wild number, you can see the effect that this has had. Remember these are just forecasts, but those holding short positions will be pleased with these numbers for now. The other numbers that most were looking out for were the South American forecasts. Many thought that because of the poor start some of these crops had had, the forecast would be lowered. Not in this case. They're all exactly the same for now. Note also how the USDA have increased the Russian wheat crop to 90 million tonnes, which does plug the gap that had become evident in recent reports. Friday needed to be a settling day, a day for the market to find its feet again. There will no doubt be many who feel these numbers aren't accurate, and this may be true, but these are today's numbers, and this is what will be traded until something else happens. Outside of the USDA data, we had seen the market gain a little in the last couple of days. With most fund managers continuing to run an almost record short position, the market clearly gets nervous when it sees headlines. This week, we heard that Ukraine believed a Russian missile had hit a civilian vessel in the Black Sea, killing one person. From here, how big would the leap be to hit a moving grain vessel? The market in recent weeks has become very relaxed about news like this, but Wednesday saw some moves up because of it. In the flat market we have operated in, the general feeling is that we don't want to miss little spikes when they appear. Back to the UK then, and here are some takeaway positives. There are still some sensible shorts out there for specific grades. There is still a good carry into Jan, March and April, June positions. Premiums for both milling wheat and malting barley are still at multi-year highs. And new crop numbers are trading at a healthy premium to old crop, which may be attractive for initial forward sales. Barley remains in poor relation to wheat. The spread between the two is refusing to close up as merchants try to take advantage of any export opportunities that appear. Currently, this remains very difficult. A quick word on rapeseed, which had been following the soybean crop as Chicago tried its best to reach two-month highs, with their flash sales to China taking place. The USDA numbers, though, have extinguished some of this enthusiasm. We may have to play a waiting game a little longer yet. Guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning. Feed wheat, December 180 to 190. February 185 to 195. November 24, 195 to 205 with Group 1 milling premium still holding at 60 to 70 pounds. Feed barley, December 150 to 160, and May 160 to 170. Finally this week, all seed rape, December 345 to 355, and May 360 to 370. As usual, please call for firm values. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Cooler, cloudier, more autumnal, but still the rain continues this week. Daytime highs just nudging double figures this week. Overnights down to four or five. Cloudy skies bringing wind and rain for the first half of the week, brightening up and the wind easing from Thursday. Well, that's it for this time. Next week on the Farming Programme podcast, I'm reporting from Farm Business Innovation at the NEC and looking at the Christmas turkey situation. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme.
with our equipped steel stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.